perhaps no other shocker in this weekend of college football took place uh, more so than the Monday night's matchup in Durham where Clemson was defeated soundly by Duke. Yeah, you had Colorado's win over, uh, I think, a very average to below average TCU team, personally. Uh, LSU getting blown up by Florida State, very good team. Duke's good team, but it's another sounding of an alarm signal that this Clemson program has really fallen and has fallen fast. So the topic of today's podcast is what has led to this at Clemson. Um, Can it be fixed? What needs to get done? But more importantly, what has happened to cause their fall from the top of the college football world or one of the elite programs to where it is now. That is the topic of today's Landry Football Podcast, part of the Landry Football Podcast Network. We are going to have a special feature on LandryFootball.com with more details about this Clemson program and what has led to this and what's um, created some of these problems. We cover all things like this at LandryFootball.com. Every team, uh, every program, college, NFL, we break down the game from a coaching, scouting, and front office perspective, and that's what you get at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of the opportunity to become the most informed fan in your group by becoming a member of LandryFootball.com. Whether it's college football, NFL, players, teams, coaches, schemes, we got it for you. Try it out for a month. Try it out for six months. Uh, It's cheaper if you try it out for six months. It is cheapest if you take advantage of the football season sale, the rollback price that we have um, over at LandryFootball.com. Also, remember to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify. So why has Clemson's fallen this far? It's not a, uh, it's easy for me. I've seen it up close. Um, some of the details we can get into some of it again, we'll say for Landry football for, for time's sake, but there is no question that in football, like in anything in business, in any sport, certainly staying on top is tougher than getting there. It's not easy getting there. It's tough to get there. It's tougher to stay there. We have seen, you know, with Clemson winning two national titles um, since that time, slipping and slipping and slipping. And, of course, losing to Duke 28-7 to in stunning fashion. I thought that Duke would play well. I thought Duke would give Clemson a game. But I thought Clemson would win and probably win going away in the second half. It was a dominating performance and it was a mistake field it but again people tend to look at well if it wouldn't be for the mistakes that's that's everything you know mistakes lose more than good big plays win in in football <clears throat> and so it was it's the problems that Clemson creates for itself it's been a big issue they were double digit favorite plenty of question marks um, but now 
let this sink in. Clemson has lost three of its last four games, four of its last seven. And three of those losses were by three scores or more. There's no question the first thing that will jump up, okay, well, why is that? Well, Trevor Lawrence is gone. Well, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is gone, 21 and 22, and that's a big factor. And they've a dominant group of receivers, a prolific running, running back in Travis Etienne. All that's true. And that is a big portion of why they've slipped from that point to now. But if you go back, the 2018 team, magical team, 15-0, and they just handled Alabama the national championship game, June Lawrence's freshman year. Um, recreating that's going to always be difficult. But to fall precipitously like they have, like Alabama has, quote-unquote, slipped in the eyes of many when they don't win the title. But, you know, look at how good they still are. They certainly don't have the negative numbers that I just gave you about Clemson. There's a couple of things. Um, when you look at what has led to this, part of it is his failure to embrace the recent changes in college football, NIL transfer portal we're not gonna take transfer portal guys he said uh, i'll leave i'll quit before players start getting paid well those are the type of things that hurt you they, they still get good players and he's still a good recruiter but he's not good old boy fun dabbo anymore in the eyes of players as players today want to get paid they want their nil money if you're going to do that in college football and you don't embrace it, you're going to lose ground, and they have. The other thing that you need to know about Dabo Sweeney, and remember, scouting reports are not criticism. Learning a long time ago, the scout, and is now what I do as a scouting and coaching consultant, when you evaluate, it's just accurately evaluating what a player team coach scheme is is just just that D telling you that tom brady and peyton manning were not really mobile and you didn't want to move them out of the pocket is not a criticism it's an evaluation which is obvious to anybody that's watched football but if you're evaluating a player that you don't nothing about that's part of what the scouting report is this is what you don't want to do with them you don't want to roll him out. You don't want to move him because he doesn't throw well on the on the run. He doesn't he doesn't move well enough to do that. Again, <clears throat> not a critique of how good he's going to be. It's an evaluation of what he is. Coaching involves a lot of different things, but scouting reports are what I do as well. And one of the things, and lot again, what makes one coach really good is not necessarily what makes another one all that good. Dabo is not a really good X's and O guy. Dabo is a recruiter. He is a good culture builder. He has been. Um, 
he relates well to players and their families and, and, and all those things have led to an increased level of talent base in that program over the years <clears throat> and the culture in which it's fun. They play hard and, and all those things are really positive. He has, for the most part, hired pretty well on his staff. They paid very well and they, I thought he hit it well with coordinators for the most part that stayed for a while. He had good guys on the offense and defensive side, let them do their jobs. He wasn't really involved in any game planning or any of the X's and O part of the process. When you are that type of a coach, there's nothing wrong with it. But when you are that type of a coach, you are more reliant upon your uh, your assistants than, than the coaches that do have a great acumen from an X's and O standpoint. See, I'm a believer that the best coaches are the ones that have the ability to teach. And it doesn't matter if you are come from the offensive or defensive side. If you're an X's and O guy, you're an X's and O guy. If you're a great defensive mind, nobody understands offenses better than a defensive coordinator and vice versa. And that doesn't mean that I'm saying that the defensive guy should become a play caller on offense, but understanding offenses and what makes them work and what makes them difficult and what's easy to defend and what's not. If you're a strong X's and O guy on one side of the ball, you're going to be strong on both sides because you have to know the other side in order to be good on your side. If you're not that, then you can't coach the coaches. You can fire a coach, you can, you know, motivate a coach, but you can't go in and help the coach see something that he's missing. Okay, if you are yourself, don't know the topic, you can't teach it. And so coaching the coaches are a big part of being a head coach. And Dabo's not that type of guy. So he can't go in because Dabo comes from the offensive side. He was a receiver in college and he was a receiver coach. And he was, you know, adequate as a receiver coach. He went from receiver coach to getting the head job in an interim role. And no one expected him to have the success that he did. And it's phenomenal for the reasons that I mentioned. But again, he had in place really good coordinators. So that worked. But when those guys left, and it took a while for Brent Venables to leave, you know, Chad Morris left, and they they were able to replace it pretty well. So it's a hit or miss. You better hire the right guy, and it better mesh, and it better work. Or if it doesn't, when the the wheels start to come off or when the the car starts to go towards the shoulder – you got to have a head coach that maybe can come in and help steer it back on the road and maybe not take over, but get it back on track. Dabble can't do that. Why? Because he doesn't understand enough of the X's and O to be able to fix that. Certainly not to the, you know, to the degree of the better X and O coaches in the country. He can handle what he can handle as good as anybody. He can't handle the X's and O's. And so when you lose your coordinators and you 
maybe don't hire as well, or you hire somebody that they themselves are trying to find their footing. You can't help them because you don't know how that becomes a problem. And all of what I said, okay, it's hurt recruiting. It's hurt development. It's hurt the strategical part of the game. It's it's hurt the functionality of um, execution, making a lot of mistakes. There's a tremendous loyalty. They've had guys in that program to where – because he's made the coordinators be like, you're the head coach of the offense, you're the head coach of the defense, That's a, if then you make a ton of money, those guys are not going to leave unless it's for a good head coaching job. And if it's someone that's really loyal, they may not leave for a long time, if ever. Well, it took a long time. But it eventually, you lose those guys. It, it happened on the offensive side. Again, replaced it adequately. Um, when they brought in Brent Venables in, it he stabilized and made Clemson a power defensively. That meant the defense was taken care of. Talent, technique, execution, great schematics that can keep offenses off balance. Dabble wasn't involved in any of that. Brent was it was handling all that offensively when you get good quarterbacks you got a good play caller you got good developers on your staff they handle that well when those guys start to leave and you don't hire as well see if you're a really good x's and o guy you can maybe hire a guy that's not as good but you can help that guy you can't maybe fire him until the end of the year so you got a lost year but when you maybe as i said got somebody that is struggling to adjust, but you can jump in there and help them, you can kind of righten the ship, so to speak, even for short term. Maybe it'll get you through a season, and then you can either see that, okay, by second year it's going to work with the guy, or you got to make a move. Dabo is, again, totally 100% reliant on his on his coaches, on his coordinators, more than other. Well, Chris, everybody's relied on it. Yeah, everybody relies on their coordinators and everybody relies on their assistant coaches. But the good head coaches, the elite head coaches can coach the coaches and they have the respect of the coaches because they themselves are better X's and O guys than the assistant coaches. That is not the case with them. So you have a confluence of all of these things and now you've got coaching changes, and it hasn't worked well. He has been very loyal to guys past year. He fired offense coordinator Brandon Streeter, a Clemson alum who's been on the staff since 2015. He hired Garrett Riley from the outside. Now, this is what's happening now. But this, the problems that I mentioned with the changes led to the issues getting to this point before this year. Now you've got Garrett Riley that's coming in, and the thinking is, well, we want him to run the Clemson offense. Well, basically the Clemson offense is built around the big receivers, and Garrett Riley's built around the spread and the quicker guys that can beat the two-way goes off the line of scrimmage, and it's not quite meshing. And so it's a lot of mistakes, and it's a lot of problems. 
now I think it can be fixed gradually as the year goes along. But the bigger picture is what happens when you lose another coordinator or you have to fire another, or you're going to hire. Well, if you don't hire well, then it's all gone because again, he can't fix it. Yeah. You can get good numbers. Yeah. You can get, you know, uh, plays here and there that will work. You can get games here, there that will look good, but it's a problem. It is a problem. Uh, They've got a roster filled with 55, 60, four or five-star guys, five-star quarterback and Cade Clifton. But again, they've not been very good. They've not been well-coached on the offensive line. Again, when you are not a great X's and O guy, you can't evaluate a coach correctly. You know that the offensive lines are not good, but you don't know how to, A, help the offensive line coach on your staff that needs help because you're not qualified to do it. B, you're not qualified to evaluate the best offensive line coaches when you go and replace them. Um, They have not been very well coached the past couple of years, meaning lots of mistakes, lots of ineffectiveness in the red zone. That happened again last night. Uh, you've got special teams breakdowns. You've and now you've got issues on defense. They miss Venables. They miss way too many tackles. So in the past, they've lived off of great defense, great coaching. They can do different things on offense, and they're going to beat people, even if they struggle beating them. They're going to find a way to beat people. Well, they haven't been dominant in the ACC as much recently as they have been in the past. But for the most part, they just out-talented, out-athleted everybody. Well, now it becomes difficult. You face a team like a Duke that's well-coached, that's disciplined with a really good quarterback. Even though you've got way better athletes, you make mistakes, it's a problem. It's a big problem. So um, if you look at it, can it be fixed? Well, there's a talent to fix it. Are there some talented assistant coaches on the staff? Yes. But how quickly can they fix things? How quickly? And they're having to do this on their own without the direction. Now, look, Dabo is certainly going to be involved because he's the head coach. The problem is, is not his involvement. The problem is, is the quality of what he's bringing to the discussion. And therein lies the problem. When you are a great X's and O guy, you can go in there and fix some things. Nick Saban had some problems on defense last year. Pete Golding didn't wasn't a, a great fit for him. Taj, um, um, you've had uh, Taj Lapoy was a defense coordinator. The last two coordinators on defense that Nick Saban had were not very good. But the program didn't collapse at Alabama. Why? Nick Saban could get the car steered, could get it back on track. When there's been an offensive coordinator problem, and they have been on that. When there's an offensive line problem, coaching-wise. He was able to go in and help fix that. Why? Because a great 
coach, defensive coach, is absolutely going to know what are some of the issues with the offensive line that he sees through his trained eye that he can help fix it. And as the head coach, he has the authority. And when he jumps in there and provides the input, it's good input. The head coach has the authority to do anything he wants. It's not the authority. It's the quality of advice and the guidance that he can give. And this is where Dabo struggles. Whereas other coaches can be really, really good as X's and O guys that are good as X's and O guys can help other aspects. And so it's led to that. So it's it's a number of things. It's the talent level has dropped some. They've lost some good players. They've lost some good coaches. And they don't have the consistency and the stability within the program that they've had for years and years. When you have good assistants and they stay for a long time, they're doing the bulk of the recruiting or the evaluating, and you can be the CEO and you can be the glad handing guy and the good old happy, you know, folksy dabbo that 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 people eat that up. He has his role, they have their role. But when you lose some of those guys, or when some of those guys don't do well and you need to be replaced, do you hit on the right hires? That's everything for Dabo. If he hits on the right hires, then it works. Then it all runs smoothly. That puts a lot of pressure on handing it right. When you kind of hit it right, and it's not 100% right, but you have the ability yourself as a great X's and O and a great evaluator of talent, you can help that person, whoever it is, become a better coach. Dabble can't help his staff be a better coach because Dabble's not an X's and O guy that can fix things. He's a CEO guy. It's not a criticism. It's just that's what he is. Okay. Like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are not mobile guys. They were great from the pocket. That's not a criticism. That's just an evaluation of what he is. Dabo is very good at what he is. But therein lies the problem. One of the reasons I try to tell folks, really important to have a guy that's a good X's and O guy that's a head coach. That's come from one side of the ball because he can help fix problems. Dabo can't fix it. Folks, you can't change coaches during the middle of the year. So you're kind of stuck for that season. And then when you're stuck for that season, it may lead to a second season. And then when you don't recognize it quick enough, because you're not of that background, you have a problem, a bigger problem. That's led to the issues. The NIL stuff, the transfer portal stuff is a big part of it as well. But I think that that talent level is still good enough for them to be performing better than what they are. And that's where the coaching issues take place. Garrett Riley's a good young coach. He's 33 years old. He's trying to run his offense the way he's always learned to run it. <clears throat> but things, the personnel is not ideal for what he likes to do. And again, there's nobody, including Dabo, again, coached on offense, that can go in and help him. He can't. I mean, he, he wants to, but he can't provide that. Look, it's like me wanting to help my neighbor 
you know, uh, fix plumbing. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I want to help. I just don't know enough to help them. If it's simple, it's easy. I can handle it. If it's complex, plumbing, electrical, house, I can't do that. We all have our strengths. That's what's really led to the issues. Um, it's fixable, but it's only fixable for Dabo with getting the right hires in place and, and, and having that work. I don't know that they have the right guys. I don't know that they don't. But as they try to settle in, it's going to be up for those guys to, by trial and error, fix it themselves because they don't have that guidance of that X's and O guy that can fix it. That's why Dabo has been successful when he's been at Clemson, the reason why he's had success and why he's struggling now. And I think the NIL stuff and the transfer portal stuff just adds to it. That's what's happened. That's where it is with Clemson. And it's going to be an interesting watch the rest of the year as we'll see whether they're able to fix it and how they fix it. And um, how can the assistants go throughout the process of making things a little more seamless uh, and better as uh, the games and the weeks go along. A reminder, again, you can get more detailed analysis like this from a coaching, scouting, and front office viewpoint over at LandryFootball.com. So check it out today. Take advantage of our football season sale. Also a reminder to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's always great to be with you. And we invite you to join us next time uh, for another edition of the Landry Football Podcast on the Landry Football Podcast Network. But until then, have a great one, everyone.